And at the end of the day, whose communication intention ends up being the one that gets the priority? It's the author. It's not the listener. Now, the listener might point out that you as an author did a, a horrible job communicating your idea. That's totally possible. I do this all the time. I say something. I thought it meant this. My, my listener is like, I don't know if you meant that. Oh, and then I learned to communicate better. But at the end of the day, my intention is very, very important. Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, a conversation where good thoughts help renew the mind with the Word of God. I'm Charlie Carter, and I'm here with Tim Little and Andy Stearns. Let's jump into the conversation. Welcome to the Thinklings Podcast, episode number two. Today, the main part of our podcast is going to be Andy talking about authorial intent. But before we do that, we'd like to begin by some Thinklings business. business. Let's talk about some books. Business. Books and business. I like that. Books and, well, just, yeah. Okay. So <laughs> I've been reading The Tree of Life by Roland Murphy, Explorations of Biblical Wisdom Literature. And uh, the book was has been kind of a disappointment so far, actually. So... But anyway, uh, his whole chapter on the book of Proverbs, uh, the wisdom of words, he kind of just does a really brief synopsis of the book. So is this like a genre thing, like a wisdom yeah. genre study? Yeah, it okay. is. He talks about Job and Kohelet. Kohelet is the book of Ecclesiastes. Mm. Uh, he Moment gets into... Mm. Yes. <laughs> I love Ecclesiastes. That's a good book. We like it. Uh, he gets outside of the Bible too, Ben Sirah, uh, the wisdom of Solomon, um, extra biblical books. The wisdom literature and theology book was probably the most helpful, uh, but still overall as as a whole, I found the book rather disappointing. Is this a book you're reading for like Hebrew exegesis classes, like preparing for a class or something? No, I've been just studying Proverbs. I, I spoke on Proverbs recently. And so just to renew my own mind and to refresh and to read something something else on wisdom and Proverbs, I picked up this title uh, thinking it just helped get me thinking through wisdom better and i found it disappointing well i can contrast that with what i've been reading Mm. i have been i just finished about a week ago listening on audiobook to the narnia series Ooh, there we go and i am now reading through it they're just too good they are they're too good they're really good what's so appealing it's short little chapters it's like little quick little tidbits and so what i'll do i'll go home for lunch and I'll grab it off my, I have a stack of books, this little book nook in the corner. His like a, book nook is legit. People. So if you, if you can just close your For eyes and real. imagine with me. So you're in this recliner <laughs> and you recline back and on your right is a bookshelf and on your left is a bookshelf. And on the left bookshelf, it's a little shorter. There's a big stack of books that I'm reading. Oh, it's so beautiful. And there's a lamp right behind your head. You click it on, you know, click it on. It's just light right over your shoulder. It's this perfect little reading nook. And so right on top of that stack right now is The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. And it's just, I, I love, I just love the way that it draws you in. And there's, there's a couple of moments where these kids, they're at Mr. and, Mr. Mr. and Mrs. Beaver's house. And there's <laughs> yeah. the mentioning of Aslan's on the move. Oh, yeah. And it mentions how all of the kids have this like inner feeling when they hear the name Aslan. You know, it's like, oh. It does something to you. Like, them. you know, the, yeah. the, like as, as Kevin DeYoung would say, the liver shiver, you know, like <laughs> it's just this, this feeling. And, and obviously Aslan is the, is like a picture of Christ in many ways throughout the series, mm-hmm. his omniscience, his omnipotence, the way that he, you know, dies and raises from the dead. 
Uh, and so it's just, those are really cool moments as you follow through the story. And uh, I've been working on kind of looking at the characters and for lack of a better phrase, trying to read into <laughs> the characters. Obviously I don't think Lewis is intending a lot of deeper meaning in every character, mm. but trying to think through what these characters embody and then think it through biblically. Are there biblical representations of this? And obviously the, the low hanging fruit and the lion, the witch in the wardrobe, the oh, lion yeah. yep. is Christ. The right witch there. is not Christ. Not Christ. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, anyway, so that, that's just a, a very enjoyable read that yeah. I, mm. it's, it's just, it just gets you excited to read and to write. And I know. love that you have a book nook, by the way. It's amazing. Just a reading nook. It's great. Go ahead. I just thought it was interesting how he was being careful about not reading too much into Lewis's line, which in the wardrobe. When we're talking about authorial intent. You know, you Oof. preferably only want to read things into the text that the author intended to be read there. <laughs> I just but when love it's, this. When it's, when it's Christian fiction, you have a little bit more license to do that. When it's non-Christian fiction, you can do whatever you want. That's right. You just deconstruct that. To just, just make it believe what it is. Can we, hey, can we just dive in really quick about publication order for our listeners? Oh, yes. That, can that's I just, an important Do you mind thing. if I dive in with this? Nope, it's it. just, that's my, it's, it's very important. So um, this is important. If you, if you pick up the Chronicles of Narnia, number one, they are children's literature. You should know that. But if you've never read them as an adult, pick them up. They're great books, but don't read them chronologically. When Lewis wrote them, he wrote The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, then uh, Prince Caspian, Don Treader. And so there's a chronology, but then at a certain point, Lewis stops and goes back in time to tell you the creation story of Narnia. And I'm not trying to give anything away, but this this person wrote C.S. Lewis, a little boy, asking him, shouldn't he read it in chronological? And Lewis kind of gave this patronizing answer like, well, yeah, maybe that's it. Well, there's a publisher out there that didn't understand that's a terrible decision and publishes them in a packet in chronological order. Now, this is the problem. What you just described, Charlie, will not happen to you. If you if read you The read Magician's it. Nephew first. Exactly. Because you're, you're like, oh, I already know who this guy Aslan is. What are you talking about? But the whole genius of the way C.S. Lewis does that mm -hmm. is he he lets you wonder and experience like, man, I'm a little nervous. What is this Aslan character? So you got to read him in publication order, please. Yep. That's your public service announcement. Read The Chronicles in and publication order. The Magician's order. Nephew is a, is a great book. Oh, they're all good. And actually, the first time that I went through... I was working my way in publication order and I forgot one. And so I got to the last battle and it only listened to, is there six? Is there six There's of seven. them? Seven. Yeah, I, I, I was total. one short and I didn't realize Which one did it you skip? I, the magician's nephew. Oh, I, I was, I was going through them and I got to the point where it's like, well, there's only one book left. It's the last battle. And then no magician's nephew. So I was very excited that there was actually one more book I'd get to read. <laughs> So I, I probably got much more out of it just because I thought, you know, that feeling when it's yeah. like, you just got done with the series and it's like, wait, there's more, there's more. <laughs> it's like the best infomercial ever. But, uh, yes, you want to start with the lion, the witch in the wardrobe. Thank you. And, uh, mm. yeah. So anyway, that's what I'm working on. So Andy, anything you're reading that's good? I've, so a book I've been reminded of is a book called Word Smithy by Doug Wilson, and it's on how to write. And so part of what we're all doing here is we all want to write things. So I've got a couple of projects I'm working on. And when I say that, I mean that in the loosest possible sense of that term. Cause well, you have been blogging very diligently. I'm trying to blog. I'm trying to – my goal is to consistently blog once a week just to, just to get the habit of writing going because the part of what you don't understand about writing is that you just have to do it. 
to get better at it. And so mm-hmm. sometimes being consistent is better than putting out really awesome, deep content. Almost like you just have to plot away at it. You do. You do. And again, I'm talking about a Wilson book, so that's very applicable. So anyways, in Wordsmithy, um, he said something about reading that really helped me. Um, so I'm just going to read a quote from it. He's talking about why you read uh, what you read. And, and so for the listeners out there, if you're not a reader please consider how you can begin to increase your reading. Part of, if you look at Christians uh, out there who have influence, who have good things to say, almost invariably they're, they're bringing a constant intake of good books into their life. So anyways, Wilson says this, and this was revolutionary for me. He says, your brain is more like a muscle that expands its capacity with increased use and not very much like an attic crowded with boxes. The more you know, the more you can know. His point is that when you read books, it's like going to the gym. Okay, so I go to the gym. I don't actually go to the gym. I never go to the gym. My roommate goes to the gym. Your roommate goes to the gym enough for all of us. Yes, he does. So that's for you, Captain Kirk. Um, So anyways, well, that's probably confusing to the listeners. It's not really James T. Kirk, but anyways, you know who you are. But the point is you go to the gym. Well, our listeners know who James T. Kirk is. Just keep going. It's an illustration. Who doesn't know about Star Trek? Okay, I'm moving on. The point Many. is you go to the gym and yes. you 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 work and your muscles get bigger. And I always thought, you know, your brain's going to fill up eventually. And his point is it's not how it is. You just keep reading. So I thought that was a very helpful quote from the book. And the book is full of other things that are tips about writing. That's It's a pretty good book. So Wordsmithy. It's good to read and good to go back to. Yeah, have you, how many of you have read Wordsmithy? No. No? I, by your recommendation, have okay. purchased it. You haven't read it yet. I, I read like the introduction and okay. was like, okay, yes, I'm going to read this. It's on the list. Okay. I don't have a physical copy, so it's not oh. present in my book. Nook. Oh yeah. So maybe that's a problem that well, I, have. I have. Yeah. I just have well, I've got, a, I've got a number of Wilson books, uh, serrated edge, oh, yeah. future men, <laughs> uh, wordsmithy. Hmm. I think I actually got plot activity as well. I, I bought his romance, but I haven't read it yet. Really? He's got a romance book. <laughs> yeah. I just, they're on my list, but I haven't. I haven't devoted the time to them yet. A man in the dark. Yeah. Have you read it? Is that yes. another one? Okay. It seemed pretty good. There's the, the We the, can share talk about it sometime. Yeah. We'll have to talk about it. But hey, don't just read romance uh, novels or uh, children's fiction. You know, push yourself too. Hey, Except when the children's fiction is making bigger points. And well, romance does that too. Well, as and, we and Wilson's romance, he's trying to say something about the romance novel genre, I think. Oh yeah, he is. So we should let our listeners know I, that. I'll just say, with this, we will transition to the main part of the podcast. But I did work through the the book Pride and Prejudice, oh. and thought that there were some great, great thoughts. I think that it, it's it's almost antithetical to its own genre and its own time and what it presents about love. But that's not for here. That's today not what, we're going to talk about. <laughs> that's not what the author really meant. Well, we don't know. Oh. So on that note, Andy. Yes. Let's talk about authorial intent. Yes. Yes. Let's do this. So one of the classes I teach at Faith is Introduction to Bible Study. And it's basically a class on how to study the Bible, like what are proper methods of studying the Bible. And then we end with a segment on hermeneutics, which hermeneutics just means interpretation. And it's really, it's, it's introductory. It's getting you into the conversation. And the next four years that you spend at our Bible college, you're going to talk a lot about these topics. When you get to seminary, this is going to be a big deal. But something that occurred to me that's really helped me in my own personal study of the scriptures is the idea of authorial intent. And I find that if you can 
just help someone to even just understand this one core idea, it revolutionizes how they study the Word of God. So we're going to start off with this. Um, I'll ask both of you, have you ever had a, a situation where you miscommunicated or someone miscommunicated to you? You don't have to think of it, but you're, you're, you're shaking your head like, yeah, you've experienced that. Okay. Well, Tim is married, so I would venture <laughs> that that happens a lot. Ooh, That's true. Hold ooh, on. So you're saying. lovely car sound in the background right now. So, so Charlie, you're saying because you're not married, you never miscommunicate? Is that what I'm catching here? Well, not with my wife. Oh. <laughs> most most miscommunic- miscommunication transpires with children more than wife. That well, is true. In fact, I have a good story know, about Tim. that. I have five children. I don't have any of those either. <laughs> oh my goodness. You know, that, the wife is usually a precursor to, anyway, well, yeah, well, I miscommunicate. Yeah, so let me, let me when, when you miscommunicate, like you're saying something and you see the look on the other person's face like you've just offended them. And, and you're like, what? And they tell you what you said or what, you, what they think you meant. How do you sort that out when they think you meant one thing, but you meant something else? How does that end up getting sorted out? Brawl. Oh, yes, yeah, a fight, of course. You just you start talking and you ask additional questions to clarify. Yeah. And at the end of the day, whose communication intention ends up being the one that gets the priority? Mm. It's the author. It's mm-hmm. not the listener. Now, the listener might point out that you as an author did a, a horrible job communicating your idea. That's totally possible. I do this all the time. I say something. I thought it meant this. My, my listener is like, I don't know if you meant that. Oh, and then I learned to communicate better. But at the end of the day, my intention is very, very important. So let me give you another example of this. When I was uh, like six years old, I was at the doctor. I think I was sick and it was like a hospital kind of place and the doctors needed to get blood out of me to do some tests. And so the nurse came up to me and said, well, I have a question for you. Would you like a shot or would you like me to draw blood? And I'm six and I hear I can have a shot or she can draw a picture of my blood. Man, that's not going to hurt. So I'm like, you can draw blood. And the next thing I know, she's like pricked my finger and she's sucking (laughs) blood out of my finger like a vampire. No, I'm just kidding. And it hurt. Now, what happened? She said something, and and I don't know that she meant to miscommunicate, but her intention did not make it to me. Hmm. And so what happens is in when we study the Bible, we often have the same exact thing exact same thing happen. We come to the Bible and we're looking for some sort of an emotional boost or a bump or something to make us feel better. And then when we read the words, we're not actually asking, what did the original person who wrote this intend to say? And that's to say, what did God intend to say? So um, a good example of this, uh, there was a a very well-known theologian who was speaking on deconstructionism, and that's kind of a loaded term, but When you give the listener the right to tell you what the meaning is of your words, that's like a deconstructionist or a postmodern or relativistic way of thinking. And anyways, he gave this this lecture on why you should give the author's intention the priority when you're interpreting the Bible. So you can't just make Paul in the New Testament say whatever you think he thinks or whatever you think he says. And this person got up in the symposium and asked him a question and just totally disagreed with him and went on for like a couple of minutes explaining point by point why this person thought the speaker was wrong. And he's trying to think, how do I show this questioner 
that the author's intention is actually more important. And this was his genius idea. By the way, this is in, is in Exegetical Fallacies by D.A. Carson. This is not original to me. Great, great little story. So he turns to her and he says, oh, I see. Now, remember, she's been disagreeing with him vehemently, like very strongly the whole time. He's like, oh, I get it. Thank you. You're actually affirming the objectivity of truth using irony. So you're saying you don't believe it, but you actually do. And that's your point. You're proving the point. Oh, that's so good. Now, <laughs> do you get what just happened there? He purposely misinterpreted her words. And guess what? She got really mad when he did that. And she went back at him and she was more heated. And then he did the same thing to her. And by the third time this happened, she just kind of wilted. And he says, do you understand what's happening here? You want your words interpreted according to your intention, if possible. Why won't you do the same thing for the Bible? Now, I used to think this was just something when it came to hermeneutics or Bible study or whatever. But when you're having your devotions, if you're not asking, what did God intend me to know from this mm -hmm. passage? You're going to get the wrong idea. So here's my final story. And then we can, this will be the end of the segment. We're at a youth group event one time and our youth pastor, this is in a different church a long time ago, said, hey, everyone pick one verse of the Bible. Okay. Read this verse. Pray about it for like 30 minutes. Don't do anything, but read this verse over and over. And then come back and we'll talk about it. Now, I'm not recommending this practice, okay, for many, many reasons, but we did it. Now, I got lucky. I picked Ephesians 5.1. Do either of you know what Ephesians 5.1 says off the top of your head? That's the imitate yep. passage, imitate God. Yep. This is be imitators of God yeah, as dearly loved children. I got lucky, people. I just I did the like Bible, Bible verse roulette where you just kind of flip your Bible open and put your finger down. And that's mm -hmm. the one I landed on. Praise the Lord. It did. So I thought about how do I imitate God? Now, that works well because who is that book written to? Believers. That's right. Believers in the New Testament age too. So, I mean, it, this is a very close to one-to-one -to -one, uh, meaning, principle, right to my life. Okay. So it's pretty safe to do that. My buddy did the roulette, opened up, put his finger down, and landed in Obadiah. <laughs> May God have mercy on his soul. <laughs> well, wait, yes, that's exactly right. And what is Obadiah? Anyone, what's the background of Obadiah? Either are you going to take uh, a shot the, at it? Do you off, OT guy? the day of the Lord. It's the end of Edom. Okay. Edom's a neighbor of Israel, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. And uh, Edom, what, what's at the time, If I'm, you can correct me if I'm wrong, Israel is being taken into captivity. Yeah, Edom kind and of isn't Edom like in their destruction instead of helping them out. Yeah. And so God's like, uh, okay, so now you're going to get whacked Yep. and nobody's going to help you. And in that condemnation of Edom for gloating about Israel and not helping, it says as part of the prophecy in the version my friend was reading, uh, those who you eat bread with will lay a trap for you. Your friends are like out to get you. And it uses the word friends. Now in every other Bible translation, that's translated as an ally. But in his translation, it said friends. So we all come back together. We're sharing what we've learned. Mm. My youth pastor says, hey, such and such, what did you learn? Guy looks white as a ghost. No kidding. We're all like, what's wrong with this guy? He's like, he gets really quiet. He says, man, I just, I think God's telling me my friends are out to get me. <laughs> and we all don't know what to say. And, oh, precious. And we're like, what? And then he reads the verse and all of us, none of us understood authorial intent. We're all like, oh. God's telling him mystically <laughs> that his friends are going to get him. Did but you take that? the animal and split its guts open and then <laughs> divine what God meant from the animal guts after that? No, <laughs> but it would have been just as effective to him. <laughs> oh my goodness. So, but, but that illustrates he got unlucky because his book was not intended 
for us today. It was a prophecy against Edom written during a time when Israel was, I think, going into captivity or being judged or something. And so right there, the issue that would have sorted both of those out is asking the question, what did that author intend with the purpose of writing their book or what they're saying? And so this sounds like something that's a little more academic, but in your own quiet times, in your own devotions, if you're not asking these questions, you might walk away thinking God just gave you some mystical message like that. And if that doesn't pan out, you might blame God for doing the wrong thing. But in the end, God never said anything such at all. And it's because you don't understand Bible study. And it just leads right to confusion. It does. You know, when, when you reinterpret and everyone has multiple, multiple interpretations, I mean, I've heard it a dozen times. Well, why can everyone read the same verse and interpret it differently? Well, if everyone was earnest to seek the author's intention, we would not have that problem. Amen. But we do because people don't necessarily understand the importance of authorial intent. So I don't know. Any other discussion on that topic? No, it sounds like uh, we need to take seriously Andy's intention. And uh, that's oh, right. My goodness. <laughs> well, on that note, what we'd like to do at the end of every podcast, some of the podcasts will be very word centered. Our content will be looking in verses. Our next podcast will be Tim Little, looking at the fear of the Lord. We'll be walking mm. right through some Old Testament passages. Some of our podcasts will be more uh, academic, maybe be the right words, thinking about some quotes from books that are not the Bible. It's, it's maybe true. It's a good thought. It stimulates us to think about truth, but sometimes we're not going to study the Bible. So regardless of what the content of our podcast is, we always want to end by looking at the word together, because that, that ultimately is what will renew the mind and help transform us. And so yeah. to close our podcast off today, Tim is going to end by looking through some verses in Isaiah 5. Isaiah 5 uh, begins with the song of the vineyard. It's actually uh, reminiscent of the book of Song of Songs. The Isaiah 5 one states, now let me sing to my well-beloved, and that's my, my lover, a song of my lover, my beloved, regarding his vineyard. My well-beloved has a vineyard on a very fruitful, fruitful hill. So we have this song of the vineyard, verses 1 through 7, which is an allegory for uh, Israel and God's relationship to Israel and how the Lord made this vineyard and cultivated it and should be very it should yield some very good grapes, but instead it's it's yielding wild grapes. Then, after the Song of the Vineyard in verses 1 through 7, we have six woe oracles. And I want to just focus on one of those woe oracles tonight. Or I guess I shouldn't say tonight, today. Uh, Isaiah 5.20 is probably the most well-known verse of Isaiah chapter 5. It reads, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil, who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet, and sweet for bitter. This is a um, an oracle that is very applicable to the modern church. We need to be ones who do not call evil good. Uh, we have to call evil evil. We have to call good good. Our barometer, our our uh, our gauge for evil is God's word. Our gauge Amen. for goodness is God's word. And as we open God's word, we need to speak it clearly 
The second illustration here, who put darkness for light and light for darkness. Those who do not read God's word according to authorial intent, what are they doing? They are creating darkness. Uh, so many uh, Christians, some that I talk to, they have so many little gray areas in life. I don't know what to do. It's a gray area. and It's like there's not some right answer. Well, the reason they have so many gray areas in life is because they're not in God's word. And so they don't know what's light and what's darkness. Uh, being in God's word is what's going to give us the light so that we know what's right, what's wrong. Uh, we have to read God's word uh, according to authorial intent. Uh, if we want to invent our own meanings and impose them upon the text, then what are we going to do? We're invariably going to increase the darkness. There's going to be more grayness in uh, the meaning of the text and thus lack of clarity. Uh, I pray that as you end this podcast, as you that you would have a desire to get into the word, that you would then be able to discern the light from the darkness and then be able to discern the good from the evil. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Thinklings Podcast. We would love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, suggestions, or potential topics that you'd like us to discuss, you can contact us through our email, thinklingspodcast at gmail.com. Remember, don't let this conversation end with this podcast. Read good books, talk about them with your friends, and always continue to cultivate your mind. See you next time on the Thinklings Podcast.